Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome, JC. Howdy. Here JC's got his nifty shirt on today. Oh, look, there's better. You can see it's a little bit better. <laughs> we are obviously not in the studio as JC uh, fixes our video with the laptop there. We are in the great big state of Texas, just as promised. Tonight I'll be teaching the East Texans for Liberty. Happy to be with them again this year. We are with them. I've been with them many times over the years. And tonight will be our, our, <laughs> you're making me nervous, JC. <laughs> I'm going to be a, a speaker at their Veterans Day dinner. Awesome. Isn't that awesome? Man, the turmoil going on, man. I just, you know, there would be no better clothes. No, well, not better. No more appropriate clothes for this year than what we're going through right now. It's absolutely indicative of, of what the heck is going on in America today. It's only November. And it's only November, which is a really good point, JC. It is only no November. And so I want to just lay out some really hardcore facts for us before we start the show so we can lay out a factual foundation for what's happening in America, a factual foundation for everything that we're we're getting wrong and the misinformation. I, you know what, JC? I cannot even comprehend how quickly this alleged transition is being pushed through. I mean, it's mind-blowing to me. And if the American people had an understanding, and I mean, not you guys, because you guys know, but in general of how this is supposed to work, people would be like, what? How? No, 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 no. So let's just be very clear. No president, number one, I've got, I'm going to give you five points, okay? Number one, no president has ever been elected in the month of November, period. The election for the president, the specific constitutional election for the president, JC, has not even taken place yet. Not even taken place. You have a popular vote that's that's not even finished, right? The well, popular vote's not even finished. Yeah, and that's what the argument centers around. But you can't the certification of the popular vote. Right. But the certification of the popular vote is not even finished, which is a state issue, because then comes the real vote for the president of the United States, which has not happened yet. You can't declare the president of the United States today. Number one, because the state vote's not even complete. Number two, because the constitutional vote has not happened. No president has ever been elected to office in the state of November. Number two. Well, that's why it's referred to as the president elect. So they declare a president elect, but not. How can you. Right. But how can you call him the president elect when the election hasn't even taken place and will not take place until December? December is where the constitutional election of the president takes place. No president is elected in November. You can't even. You can't even project a winner at this point. Any any claim of who is president today is merely a projection. 
And the projection isn't even accurate because the popular vote isn't even completed and the electoral vote has no basis. So the real election begins in December when the electors cast their vote, period. So no president is elected in November. The election for the president through the electoral college takes place in December. Number three, the count takes place on January 6th. Anything before January 6th is merely a projection, especially when you take into account the electors don't even have to be tied to a popular vote. So these things can change. It's the Elector College is the only vote that counts in the selecting of a president. The popular vote can influence the Electoral College, but the popular vote does not elect the president. And we should know that because we've had so many popular votes in our past that simply did not, you know, then you have the Electoral College that goes different from the popular vote, which is the whole argument for oh, yeah. eliminating the popular a, vote. You have electors. Yeah, you mean you mean like the, the total total versus the popular vote. Right, yeah, I, I exactly. Think, yeah, I, I mean, there's been, it's funny that the leftists make that argument. The Democrats make the argument because they, I mean, they've had instances where the popular vote, where their candidate won, but didn't win the popular vote. So it's always been a strange argument to me to uh, for them saying we need to make those one and the same. Well, even when they create the map now, right, they take the popular vote and they say the popular vote of this state went to this president. Therefore, these electoral votes go to this to this candidate. That is a projection. At well, best, it it's be not completely accurate. Well, should be very clear that the parties choose the electors and then the popular vote is it determines that slate of electors. But the parties but do tied. not choose the electors in every state. Electors are chosen by state law and not every state law allows the parties to choose the electors. Yeah, in and general, so that's true. In, in general, but still, even so, the electors chosen by the parties don't have to vote the party. And that has happened. Not only that, you don't even have an accurate count at the state level yet. Right. So what you're seeing now my, my, is my, merely a projection. It is not reality. Mm -hmm. It is. No, I get it. It just, it's, I mean, I, I'm thinking, don't want to overstate. I mean, as if the popular vote has no meaning or influence. No, I'm not saying it's not a meaning or an influence, but it is not the vote that elects the president. Right. It is not the vote that elects the president. And I'm not saying it has no meaning or influence. It is there to influence the electors. It's not there to dictate to them. In many states, it doesn't dictate to them. And it's not what creates the presidential election. It's the elector, electoral college votes that are cast in December and counted in January. You cannot know who will be the president of the United States until the electoral college votes are counted. And that doesn't happen until January 6th. Everything else is merely a projection. I mean, think about it. I, I, 
just off the top of my head, they declared, number one, uh, in another edition here, it's not the job of the media to declare who wins office or not because they get it wrong. You have in 1948, the media declared Dewey president. And then when the Electoral College was finished and finally counted on January 6th, Dewey was not president. It was Harry S. Truman. It is the count on, a, on January 6th that, that matters when, it, uh, when the final say is done on who will be president. It's not what happens in November. What happens in November influences, but it is not the determination. Everything between now and January 6th is merely a projection because there are too many variables. There are absolutely too many variables. And if it means that in January 6th that Biden becomes president, then then that's that's what it means. Well, using that same argument, um, President Trump could go through all of these lawsuits and everything. And they say Trump's president. And then come January 6th, they vote Biden. Right. I mean, you could easily make the same argument. The Absolutely. Other, the other way. But that's the way the system works. That's why the Electoral College system is works because it is not the popular vote that elects the president. And the states that operate with a winner-take-all kind of philosophy for their electoral votes are not even operating the way the system was designed. So if you want to talk about the problems in the, in, in the how our president is elected, you got to talk about how we have distorted the whole process of the electoral college. And you mentioned it before, JC, the political parties pick the electors. That's not how it's supposed to work. The state legislators are supposed to pick the electors or the electors are supposed to be chosen by a vote of the people in their district because the parties are not supposed to choose the president because the president was not designed to represent political parties. The president, office of the president was designed to elect a representative for the states. So the Electoral College, through this creation of a superior strength in political parties, has been distorted by that whole process. So we shouldn't have electors picked by political parties, period. That's part of your problem to begin with. So there's this. The other thing that I wanted to share with you, uh, I'm getting inundated by this email. Uh, people are sharing this email. This email is flowing around everywhere. Some are saying that it's coming just from a local friend who's always in the know. Some people are saying that it's coming from the Republican Party itself. And there are several things in this email that simply are not true. And I wanted to talk to you about this so that you can have the facts. And so maybe you're not sharing something that is not true. And so the first statement that they have here is uh, this is going to the Supreme Court where they will rule the election is invalid due to fraud or mistakes on a countrywide scale. Mm. Um, that's not how it's going to work in the Supreme Court. Number one, politically speaking, there is no way the Supreme Court is going to overturn an entire election. That would not be 
what our Supreme Court is willing to do. First off, then you have the Supreme Court responsible for who's elected. So from a political perspective, they're not going to do that. From a jurisprudence precedent perspective, not going to happen either. They are not going to overturn an entire election. So they say here. Well, I think more, more to the point, they don't have the power to do that. No, no. They do not have the power to do that. So it goes back to it would go back to the states. Yes. To make so, a, to make a decision. Right. Well, that and that's where I was getting to with this. It says it will go either one of two ways. They will either rule that that all the unconstitutional mail in ballots will be removed and the states ordered to recount without them or will simply rule the election invalid due to mass voter fraud. And at that point, it will be sent to the Congress and Senate for a vote. Eh, wrong on both points. Wrong on both points. Uh, point number one, like like you you mentioned before, they're not going to tell the states how to revote or have a special election or what or recount. They will say at most they would say because uh, it would have to come through the Fourteenth Amendment. They've been disenfranchised. They'll say these votes. Are, uh, there is evidence of fraud in these votes. So we are sending this back to the state to remedy. OK, so that's what the Supreme Court does. We will send it back to the states to remedy because popular vote is a state issue and not a federal issue, which is why they don't have jurisdiction over it. The second option, which it says, uh, or they will simply rule the election invalid due to mass voter fraud is wrong. And the point will be sent to the Congress and the Senate to vote for a vote is wrong on two points. It's wrong because, number one, the Supreme Court doesn't have the authority, nor will they assert the authority to rule an entire election invalid. Can you imagine what would happen? I mean, talking about mass disenfranchisement of actual valid votes. Now, what they say is if the election is ruled invalid, that will be sent to Congress and Senate for a vote. And this is where they say this is where it gets good. The House and the Congress votes on who president will be. And let's see. Uh, and every state gets one. It has nothing to do with the party. Every state gets one vote and 30 states are held by Republicans and 20 by Democrats. That vote has to go down to party line. So here is what they're referring to in that second part. So when they say it's going to go to the Congress and the Senate to vote, what they're referring to is the 12th Amendment. The 12th Amendment says the president of the Senate shall in the presence of the Senate and the House of Representatives open all the certificates and all the votes shall be counted. This is what happens on January 6th. The persons having the greatest number of votes for president shall be president. If no person has such a majority, then the persons having the highest numbers, not exceeding three on the lists of those voted as president, the House of Representatives, the House of Representatives shall choose immediately by ballot the president. But in choosing the president, the vote shall be taken by states, the representation from each state having one vote. This only comes into effect when the elector votes are received, 
counted by the Senate president, and it is determined there is a tie. That is the only time this course of action is invoked. There is no course of action for the complete invalidation of an election uh, through the 12th Amendment. What I want the people to see here is this, that we have misinformation and false information being spread throughout the conservative community. I don't know if this is coming from the Republican Party. I don't know where it's coming from, but it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. So nothing about this email is correct. And we cannot. Why would we be spreading this kind of false information? Yeah, I totally misread the thing. I I focused on that part about the Congress and was thinking about the tie. I thought. Yeah, the, that procedure is right. What they described is right, but I, I, it didn't dawn on me. Wait a minute, that doesn't refer to this situation. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And that is only invoked if there is a tie. There is nothing in the Constitution that calls for a complete sweeping invalidation of an entire election. Why? Because it's not a federal authority. This whole process has been just a massive stream of misinformation from both sides beginning, you know, from the media in favor of Joe Biden and, yes. and then stuff coming out to counter that. Just a lot of crazy, a lot of crazy stuff out there, Let me which read. has been typical. A lot yeah. of it, you know, just just to offend half the audience, a lot of it, you know, just falls in line with the all the Q narrative that's been continuous about uh, fed, the federal government and federal whatever intervening. Right. And these they don't have the authority to do what they're saying. So if this is what this is what you know people want to happen, then you're already admitting, which may be true, uh, that constitutional government has failed, and you want to, you know, basically invoke unconstitutional means to fix it. It's really strange. Now I think to the extent that there's federal elect or whatever they're referring to as federal election fraud or what have you, because there are investigations going on apparently by the, by the, that have been turned over to the attorney general's office Mm -hmm. and the DOJ. So there, there's that happening, but when that happens, they have to work through the States. Right. And and then they have to achieve a remedy through the States. Right. There's no federal agents or officers or anybody going to, going to ride in and, start declaring ballots invalid and do all these things. They don't have the jurisdiction or authority to do that. So any of those stories that you see out there saying any portion of the federal government is going to swoop in and fix these things is not true. And the sending of the National Guard out there was not to uh, the National Guard was not there to uh, to take over and determine which ballots were valid and were not. The National Guard in those places were deployed to either keep the the peace or in plain clothes to help count. Right. right? So the way were there in plain clothes to help count or they were there or and and or they were there to help keep the peace in case something went out of control. And so what you said, JC, is is so relevant because we have to ask ourselves this question. If we if 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 those who are upset by way this is going, 
the fraud, the invalid, the, the invalid nature of the ballots, the way the counting has happened. If you're, you're concerned that the way this is falling out creates in us no longer a constitutional republic, but a banana republic, then you must be willing to stick to the constitutional processes in order to remedy the situation. If you're calling for the Supreme Court to wipe the entire election invalid, you are also contributing to the creation of a post-constitutional banana republic where nine people determine an election. Yeah. I mean, because if you if you want the Supreme Court to wipe it out today, they will wipe it out tomorrow and they'll say there's fraud even when there is no fraud. Because somebody, you know, the majority on the Supreme Court didn't like who the president was going to be. And if you want federal troops to march in and save the day, my goodness, well, there you have a banana republic again. Well, you got you have lawsuits. I mean, and they're clearly going to be asking for a remedy and showing uh, going to be showing fraud. Yes. So how does that come down exactly? I mean, what what do they what is the outcome of something like that? Well, the remedy, as I mentioned before, will be the Supreme Court saying um, this happened, whatever whatever the sort of issue is. So let's say it's because the sh- machines were, were built with fraudulent f- software. Then the evidence comes before the courts. They say the evidence is overwhelming that, yes, these machines uh, created a disenfranchisement on the people, a fraud in the election. So now we will send it back to the states to remedy this problem. Well, first off, this has to go. We're talking about going to court. It's yeah. got to go go to court in the in those states. Correct. Well, because what would the Supreme Court be saying? I mean, their remedy would have to. It seems to me the only thing the Supreme Court can say is whether a lower court was correct or not. Yeah. And then they would send it back and say, you're not correct or you're correct or whatever. Mm-hmm. If, if they're, if they're correct, like if they ruled in Trump's favor, for instance, why would it even have to get to the Supreme court? It wouldn't have to. Unless so so you're going to have a situation of mm-hmm. the Supreme court having to make a decision based on a, on a lower court's ruling or the state Supreme court's court's opinion, which in a couple of cases they've already done in, or in two cases where I don't even remember exactly what they did, but either said didn't grant a stay or I don't even know what it was. A couple of these things have already been before the su- Supreme Court. It's yeah. Just, so to me, it's a mess. I don't even know what what they would say. And if you send it back to the state who is not cooperating with the rule of law in the first place, what exactly do you end up with? Well, you end Who's up who's going to make the state right. follow the law if they're already not following the law. Well, here you have the question to begin with, which points out what Alexander Hamilton said about the judiciary being the weakest branch of government. You have the you have the Supreme Court of the United States telling Pennsylvania that they have to separate ballots and count them separately. And then you have you have districts in Pennsylvania that are completely ignoring that. What is what is a Supreme Court opinion? It has no force. It has no sword. It has nothing. It is merely guidance. It is merely a uh, a, a written directive. So it's, it's the- up to the executive to make that happen. Now, in order for it to get to the Supreme Court, J.C., 
It could be an injunctive action. Like if you don't act right now, a fundamental right is going to be violated. So what has to happen is because number one, this is what most people don't realize. Voting is not a fundamental right in the U.S. Constitution. Voting, as a matter of fact, qualification on who is a voter is a state issue. So states determine who are allowed to vote. So you don't have a constitutional uh, issue, a fundamental right issue with a denial of of a disenfranchisement through uh, voter fraud. The only disenfranchisement you have, um, the only federal issue you have is if you're not allowing people to vote because of the color of their skin or because of their gender. So you have the 15th and the 19th amendments. So you would have to prove somehow that the voter fraud was targeted at people because of the color of their skin or people because of their gender in order to make it a voting fundamental right issue for the federal government. So the only thing that you can bring it directly to the federal government is that uh, a 14th Amendment denial of a fundamental right. So you have to say, I have a fundamental right on the state level to vote. This is denying my fundamental right at the state level. Therefore, through the 14th Amendment, the federal courts have jurisdiction. You see how far you have to go in all these circles you have to do to get to a a first review by the Supreme Court. Yeah, it seems like a lot of minutiae, irrelevant minutiae in the big scheme of things. Well, I, but I mean, it is an irrelevant how they operate. Well, it like is irrelevant when you have people running. Right. Right. Which you have people running around saying, hey. We want, we want to maintain our constitutional republic, and this is violating our constitution. And, and yet you want to go and create an extra constitutional process. I mean, this is, this is why Samuel Adams said uh, we will fall based on our own ignorance, right? So here's the question, another question that I got that I wanted to talk about. Even, the vote, even though the vote has not been officially called except by the media, does President Trump legally have to meet with Biden and Harris to give them all the information and intel the POTUS has to transfer the power of the president? No. No. Okay. Point number one, once again, there is no declaration of a winner until January 6th. Point number two, the president Trump holds office until January 20th. I know you really want to make the point clear about the Electoral College thing, but again, historically speaking, there have been many transitions long before long before that's occurred. Okay, but I we're talking the about more have the to more happen. important point is the election, the even the popular vote has not been certified. Mm -hmm. um, many, and you can go to, you can look this up. The dates. Uh, search for uh, certify election dates. Um, there, there are something like six states that have to certify within a week mm -hmm. of of the uh, popular vote. Um, but there are other states. You have up to, up to uh, the, up to the third week in November. Some in uh, some in December. So. Here, I have it right here. Six states within one week of the election, 26 states in D.C. The certification deadline is between November 10th and November 30th. 14 states. The certification deadline is in December. So 
and and as as we're sitting here right now, Georgia, Pennsylvania and Arizona are still counting votes. They haven't even counted all the votes. And you're talking about a razor thin mar margin uh, in Arizona as they've continued to count votes. It's come down to close to 16000 vote different. So we're not even done yet. And, and Joe Biden, by the projection right now, is at 290. You take Pennsylvania away, that's 270. You lose one more state. He doesn't have 270. So we haven't even certified these results. We're not even there yet. And the media, we know what the media is about. But this is incredibly irresponsible and dangerous what they're doing. They, they have convinced over 70 million people that this election is over if either through the count or through these lawsuits, the, this projection now is the opposite of the reality. You're going to have absolute blood in the streets mm -hmm. because of what the media has done. Well, and I will point out that the question was, does the president have to meet with no, them? There's no law. And as a matter of fact, even if the, even if, even if it was certified, he wouldn't have to meet with them. No. And, you know, and, certainly wouldn't have to meet with them until after January 6th. And remember, the president doesn't, Donald Trump is still constitutionally legally president until January 20th. Right. So there's, I mean, seriously, it's first, off, let me, first off, let me put it this way. What exactly, JC, do you think happens in the transfer of information when one president sits down and has a meeting with another? Come yeah, on, for Pete's sake. Yeah, it's a lot, that's, of, that's, a lot of formality. That um, is that is just simply uh, theater. It's yeah, that's all that is. Right. Traditional theater. It's you know what that is. You have a month. <laughs> it is. It is. You know what that that sitting down and the transferring of stuff is. That is the holdover from the coronation of the king. That's yeah. all that is. It's just stupid well, you, tradition. You, you Nothing happens. You essentially have a month after the electoral vote, you know, to, to do all of that. Mm -hmm. um, that's just that's just more posturing by the media. Just just building their case of why Trump needs to concede. Trump needs to you know do this. We need to transition. Mm -hmm. um, they they if this had if this were the opposite. OK, mm -hmm. so if if Biden was still if they were still counting votes and Trump had this very marginal lead. If it were the opposite direction, they would be saying, we have to be patient. The, the results are still unofficial, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. So all of this, they're doing all of this knowingly. Uh, and it's incredibly dangerous what they're doing. As, yeah. as I said, if if the thing flips in the opposite direction, mm -hmm. um, there, there's going to be big trouble. And, right. and it's all being... The foundation of that trouble is being laid by the media. And uh, it, it's really it's shameful. I think it's criminal what they're doing. Uh, it's outrageous. Well, they here's the thing. They win either way. And I'm not I'm not saying, you know, slow down because Trump's going to win. Trump's going to pull it out. That's not that's no. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's not done. It's not done. You still have uh, three, possibly five critical states that are still questionable, that are still not decided. Five states. And when you think about this from the perspective that we know the people who are pulling these strings want to, they want to burn down American plantation. They sure. want to destroy 
what is constitutional right. and right. Yeah, this they shows, win yeah. either way. That's they a great win either way. That is a great point because it shows you that that crowd is not just in the streets in these riots. That same crowd sits behind the desk of these news news media broadcasts. Well, they win so either they, way. They are they are radical anarchists mm -hmm. uh, at CNN, MSNBC, uh, even Fox, because they are laying a foundation for chaos and destruction to take place in the streets by falsely reporting what is going on in this election. Well, they win either way. Either the, the public concedes and gives in by popular opinion that that Biden has won even before the counts have actually taken place or they get uh, they, they so they get the president, the, the administration that will bring the transformation, this Marxist transformation that they want. Well, they think they want because they really don't know where media lands up in that. Right. Right. Because the media's, you know what, you guys are the ones with your heads on the chopping block first, because well, you won't. But then they also win if the election is overturned, because then they get the chaos that right. they want. Yeah, again, still, I say this again, I still believe it, regardless of what is going on in this election. A majority of Americans are not Marxists. Yes. Uh, the reality in in this election, a majority of Americans did not vote for socialism, did not vote for for Marxism. Well, the fact that looking, we're in this struggle, was, J.C., proves your no, point. Well, it, it's even further than that. I'm look. I was looking at the numbers. So let me just be very clear. A majority of Americans didn't. I mean, a majority of Democrats. Let me say it like that. So it's very clear. A majority of Democrats did not vote for socialism. A majority of the Democrats or a large portion of them voted against a racist. That that was their that was many of their motivation, this false narrative created by the media. So they weren't saying all oh, that, all those Marxist policies and socialist policies. And, and we want America to be Marxist. That's not, that's not even what a majority of Democrats voted for. So that's why I think this is even more. It, it's even more dangerous on the one hand when, mm -hmm. you know, when this stuff happens, this is not what many of these voters thought they were getting. And I think, you know, if if Biden, if they're able to successfully take this election uh, and take the Senate, which I don't believe will happen. But if let's say they won those two Georgia seats and they took the Senate, um, this, this will be, I think, could be one of the first instances where that group of Democrat voters finally realize what they are voting for. I, I still don't think that a majority of those voters, or at least a good portion of those voters, I still don't think they comprehend uh, what they're asking for, what they're voting for. They don't know these people. Think about how Biden ran, ran his campaign. What do we know about what Biden supports? What did he ever talk about? His policies, he never talked about hardly any of his policies. Or he contradicted what was actually written, right. his own written platform. Hmm, you know, gonna we're going to we're gonna stop fracking. No, we're not going to stop fracking. We're going to shut down the coal industry. No, we're not going to shut down the coal industry. No, well, but, but Joe, that's what your entire website's talking about. That's what your vice president has been talking about. You know, I mean, this is what they've been talking about since the first, since 2016. So, so I think there's still just a ton of dupes in the Democrat Party. Um, and, you know, the, the silver lining for me, I actually I said this. Everybody's going to get mad. But I said, if OK, if Biden is going to have the presidency, 
go ahead and give them the Senate. Go ahead and let him. He should have the Senate as well. They should have the whole government so that we can have two years of unfettered, uh, unfettered Democrat policy. So so people can finally see what these things do and we can pull back the veil. You know, if if he's going to be president, you may as well let him go full bore so that they can be exposed. Um, Because I think that's still one of the biggest problems we have in America, that just the ignorance Mm -hmm. of what these policies do and what these people stand for. The media covers for them. The media lies for them. And I think the only way that a a portion of these even still conservative, regular, you know, duped Democrats are going to get it is for them to finally experience it. So let's talk about I want to. I, I don't wanna, want him to be president or have the Senate, but may as well go full bore. Well, I want to mention what will hap- what what is possible to happen if Biden gets president without the Senate. Now, if he gets president with the Senate, then he has the House and the Senate. You're going to see a packing of the court. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see. He packs the court, you'll see civil war. Yeah, right. Well, to it. you'll see a packing of the court. You'll see. I just don't have. A, I, I don't that that's just my opinion. I don't think that I don't think we're at civil war yet. I, I mean, I think we're at the, the Marxist violence point, but I think the people who consider themselves conservatives, people who consider themselves Republicans who would be against Biden, you know, I might be wrong. I don't, I don't see enough of those people. Doesn't take many. Yeah, I just don't see enough. You're going to see problems. You're going to see problems. Put it that way. You're going to see problems. Not going to because I, that, that, I, I feel like that'll be a strong signal. Yeah. To the people who are on the edge that you've lost your country. Yeah, but That's you can't. It. You can't have civil war with an edge. You've got to have more than that. And even within the party. Now, I'm not saying you know you. Oh, this kind of thing yeah. happens with a majority. But again, we'll, we'll we still disagree. We'll have to be. <laughs> further down the road of people having not enough comfort in order to do that. We are not further. We are not far enough away from comfort yet. Maybe after four years, maybe after three years, he won't have four years, but not in, in not within the first two years. Yeah, I they, can't they, will only, they will only have two years because you know, I mean, historically midterms flip control. Yeah. So he only, he only gets two years. See, that's why I think it won't happen in two years, because you'll have any kind of really pushback from the conservative realm, because you'll have people saying, well, uh, we can stop this with the midterm. And people start focusing on the midterm and people will get politically focused on that. It will be after the if if the flip at midterm doesn't happen and there's more voter fraud, that's when I see people could be pushed over the edge. But not just not just simply with this. But if he doesn't get the Senate. <laughs> Dark clouds are coming. Yeah. It, well, yeah. I don't care what happens. I don't care what happens in the court. I don't care what what the decision is with Trump's campaign. I, I don't care what the outcome is uh, within by January 6th. Dark days are coming. I just don't think they'll come by our hand yet. Not yet. Human nature doesn't work that way. But we have what happens if he wins without the Senate? If he wins without the Senate, that means there's no packing in the court. And there I was noticing today on the news in the hotel lobby. I was subject to it in the hotel lobby today. Um, 
that there the media is already hyping up this relationship between Biden and McConnell, that this is the most important relationship in America today is what they said. The most important relationship in America is the is Biden and Mitch McConnell, meaning Mitch McConnell is going to be the Senate president. Right. He's the leader of the Senate. So. He's going to have to Biden and McConnell are going to have to get on the same page in order for Biden to do what he has to do. And they talk about Biden and McConnell have been together for a long time. They've been able to cooperate on things and negotiate things. If if Biden, if Biden, you know, if the uh, policy is uh, some moderate Democrat policy, like like the Clinton-esque type, Mm -hmm. you know, the Clinton relationship between the 94 uh, Gingrich house takeover, that, that sort of thing. And you can get moderate things passed. Yeah. McConnell, McConnell might do that, mm-hmm. but, but McConnell has shown when, when you're talking about these big fundamental issue, as, as much, as much as we can criticize McConnell as being, you know, middle of the road uh, establishment guy, when it's been these fundamental issues, mm-hmm. he has shown, he puts his heels in plants, his feet, and, and he's not cooperating right. with this. Right. So, yes, if it's some moderate sort of establishment Republican type issue. Yes. If, you know, if Biden goes with what what is at the core of who Biden has been more or less for his Senate career, been, you know, the middle of the road kind of guy, except when, when the occasion arrives where he has to pander to the left, because Biden is that's been a thing with Biden for 47 years he will quickly pander to the left, even if it's something he doesn't personally believe in at his core. You know, he, he flipped on abortion early on and, and is banging that drum when he saw when he saw, uh, you know, the, the shift in his party. So he go he Biden follows the radicals. OK, but if it but if it means Biden getting something done, he'll put up some moderate thing that McConnell can go along with. But if it's some radical fundamental change, the court packing, all this kind of stuff, uh, McConnell's not going to go along with that because, you know, 150,000 Kentuckians will be descending on Washington with rope. Well, the interesting thing is, is once again, the media, what is the what is the, the methodology of the media? Remember, the media plays chess. Oh, yeah. And so they're setting up a narrative in which no matter which way McConnell goes, they win, right? So they're setting yeah. up this narrative of, you know, hey guys, uh, don't be mad at Mitch because he has to, you know, he has to play the political game yeah. and he's got to do this and he's got to do that. But if he doesn't, then they he's say in the he's in the crosshairs. This is because remember now, this after point. this, the whole focus is midterm. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, because we moved from one work. election to another. That's yeah. how we were. One election to another. And so you're going to be everything is now going to be dumped into midterms, especially if the, the Senate is not. I mean, from the media's perspective, especially if the Senate is not flipped, yeah. because if the Senate is not flipped, they're going to set it up for an easy win. Yeah. Either Mitch caves and goes with the flow or the people get irate, you know, it, I, you know, I think in historical terms, it'd be like Charles II going, Hey, you know, we need to do what yeah. we need to do, but that parliament now, they're, that parliament won't let us do it. They're so. already making lists targeting 
vulnerable mm -hmm. Republican seats in these House districts. Uh, it's, it's all from from the time this thing is settled, really, I think from now there, a lot of their focus is get get over this election hump. But I think really from now forward, it's about the midterms. It is simultaneously about how many progressives they can get into the administration and how much progressive legislation they can move forward. And as you said, depending on the Senate outcome, it's OK. Now it's about midterms. Right. What it's all about. Right. Because they know just I, you know, we read that progressive magazine the other day. They know that historically they lose control in the midterms. So it's going to be all about that from here forward. Now, what will happen uh, without the Senate and without Mitch McConnell's permission and, and whatever? So we know that there are certain things, um, even mostly as late, that we've traditionally allowed presidents to do, they don't have the authority to do via the Constitution, right? So what you can look for are, uh, what, one of the biggest violations that we have now is these agreements that presidents make with foreign governments. They're quasi-treaties that don't actually have Senate approval, so they're not treaties. And they generally do things that, that are not allowed to be done by treaty, period. So you know the green push, you know the UN push, you know the climate change push, mm -hmm. you know all this stuff. What you can right. see happen, uh, yeah, what you can see happen now is that Biden will overstep the Senate and we will be in agreements with the UN. We will be in agreements with Iran. We will be in agreements with, with all of these climate change whack jobs. Mm -hmm. And we will be in these agreements. And then these agreements will turn into regulatory rules, right. which will then be enforced on the people as law through the executive agency. Yeah. So so if they don't get the Senate, Biden, the Biden administration will turn to work through the executive agencies. They mm -hmm. they will do as much through executive power as they can get away with. And we watched Barack Obama, even with a conservative um, conservative Senate uh, and House where that he got away with a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a, it was a, you know, a, what, eight year crime spree. Right. Uh, that really uh, they did nothing about it. Healthcare. A, a Republican held and, and mm -hmm. uh, Republican held Senate and House did nothing to stop him. So uh, while there will be certain things like the judicial appointments and, and other things like that, uh, cabinet appointments, um, if Republicans hold the Senate, it, it will be an absolute they will run absolute roughshod over the American people through executive power. So what we need to realize at this point. It's always important. But if Biden retains the the it, office, it's going to be important now more than ever that, number one, our states realize that they do not have to submit to the jurisdiction of these unlawful executive agencies through EPA, FDA, USDA, because they're going to try to take your guns through the, the ATF. They're going to take can try to take control of your land through the EPA, through the USDA, through the Department of Interior. And they're going to try to mandate drugs and vaccinations on you through the FDA and the USDA and, and the CDC and all these people. And it's 
now more than ever, it's going to be really important that the people within the states get a hold of their local governments, the sheriff, my goodness, and the governors to realize that that they not only have an authority, but they have a duty to say no to these things. And so once again, the fear that I have is during this whole presidential campaign administration with Donald Trump, so many conservatives saying, hey, Trump, do this by executive order. Hey, Trump, do that by executive order. Now, all of a sudden, once again, we have a president who is not Donald Trump, who's going to say, hey, you told Donald Trump to do that by executive order. I'm going to do it by executive order. And I'm only grateful that 85% of the time, Trump didn't actually do things outside of the presidential's authority through executive order. Well, but, quite, quite frankly, the Republicans are seeing the results in this election right now is because because they are, are seeing what they're seeing in the election right now because they did not control their states. Yeah. The Democrats are in charge of all the, mm -hmm. the, the vote counting yep. and, and the, the party apparatus, the, the, the uh, um, state elections apparatus. I mean, come on. The, the ignoring of state and local authority is why we are where we are. That, Absolutely. That's, that's the bottom line. Because well, this is yeah. being accomplished at the state and local level. This fraud is taking place at the state and local level, by and large, because Republicans aren't there. Right. They're nowhere to be found. Right. The Republicans are having to show up and try to ask permission to get into these polling areas. <laughs> yeah, that's what's, I, that's what's absolutely bonkers. crazy. You got to ask, why is there voter fraud? Well, the voter fraud is because we're because we don't have people in charge of counting the vote that have any any moral compunction whatsoever. Nope. And then what happens is because we all because sat and watched Fox News for four years and said, oh, Trump, Trump's Trump going to fix this. The White Hats are coming. Yeah. And, and ignored our states. And so now we no longer control our states. And there you go. And so we know the Republican Party is sending people in to monitor these votes, to count these votes. And they're the being told they can't come. So now they have to sue because they're saying, because like you said, they're asking permission to be there when it shouldn't be an issue of permission. It, 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 it should be a mission, a, 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 uh, an issue of. You we're, have we, to be there. That's spoke, how it works. I can't remember. We were, uh, what state were we in? We spoke somewhere, big conference. Um, oh, we went to Idaho. I seen, uh, was it not Idaho, Iowa, one of those I places. Um, you have to give me more information than and that. And the lady got up who was, a, who was in the state legislature. And there's a room full of conservatives, pretty big crowd. And she talked about a precinct, precinct chairperson. And it was like, you know, this doe eyed, you know, deer in the headlights look. And she said, uh, she kind of looked and saw the reaction. She goes, okay, how many people know what I'm talking about when I talk about a, a, a precinct committee woman, a state committee person, that sort of thing. Not one hand went up, not one hand, none. And I went, oh my God. So it was just clear this is this is the problem. And we see that across the country. So they don't well, even yeah, know what it is, much less are actually involved in controlling local and state government and party right. apparatus. It's it's unbelievable how unplugged people are at their local and state level. Well, I think, again, if they're unplugged at the local and state level, because here you are dealing with people who don't understand how 
how civics work. They don't understand how government works. They don't understand how the county works. They don't understand how the state works. They don't understand how the federal government's supposed to work. And so they feel inadequate to be involved in a process they completely lack total understanding about. Why would I? Here's the thing. And still, and still at this very minute, as evidence from the email you shared at the beginning, clamoring for DOJ and federal to come save them in their mm -hmm. states. Mm -hmm. We have this results because Republicans are freaking idiots. <laughs> we have just let go. We just we have just let go of our state and local governments. Absolutely. It's what we've been teaching now. I still don't I, get it. I wrote the book in 2014. I started teaching it two years before that. So now we have 2012 to 2020, which is eight years. Eight years I have been teaching the importance of state and local government in the entire constitutional process. And everything you've warned about has come home to roost. Everything. Right everything. Everything. But they, I, I, but I know people still don't see it. They still don't see it. I mean, all on Facebook. Again, it's total focus, federal you know, and the lawsuits and this nobody it's not it's not dawned on anyone that, you know, wow, why, how are they able to get away with this? Oh, because we're not plugged in anywhere in our state and local levels. Yeah, they run everything. So now you have to be plugged in because you see if you well, are now you're gonna have to fight not in plugged in. Right. If you are not getting plugged in now, there there will be violence. There will be violence if you are not plugged in now. Because you are going to see an utter destruction of America's economy. And when people, when our economy is destroyed because of all these stupid international agreements that this administration is going to get us into, when your business is so heavily regulated that you can't comply, and when you can't comply, you're charged $37,500 a day until you can comply or until you can't fight anymore and you just sign over the deed to the federal government. When you see that happening, when people get pushed to the point where they have nothing to lose, that's what it takes. I have lost everything. And so now I will stand for what's what's important, what's left, what's left. When you've lost everything, the only thing that's left is life and liberty and the re and the retention of your property to the existence of your life and your liberty. And when that happens, then there is no turning back. When I said earlier, we're not to that point because I know human nature. As long as you can, I've watched centuries of kings murder people for not paying taxes that did not bring revolution. Murdering, hanging people in the streets for not paying taxes and the people weren't brought to the point of rebellion. Why? Because human nature says that all government has to do is trickle down just enough stuff to keep you comfortable, to keep you complacent, to keep you looking forward to the next moment when you can regain whatever it is you think you lost and you're comfortable while you're doing it. Human nature says the vast majority of the people will sit back in their comfort and wait for the next event. It has to be when that point comes, when there's nothing left, when you're pushed to the point where there is no other course. Now, my heart, my desire is that we don't wait that long because you can peacefully turn this stuff over if you don't wait until you have nothing left to lose. You're pushed in a corner. You're going to bite. You're going to call. You're going to scream. You're going to scratch. You're going to kill your way out. 
We don't have to wait for that. I mean, and and you know what? Disagree with me all you want out there. We're not at that point yet of no return. There are still things we can do, still things that we can do peacefully, powerfully, locally. But you got to do it. But again, if you don't know what to do, you're not even going to step up and do it. You're just simply not going to do it because you don't have what a firm foundation. What someone can do and what someone will do, yeah. that, that's the problem. Well, fear fear in this realm comes from lack of knowledge. You, you are insecure. Your pride won't let you do something because you don't know what it means. You don't want to look like a fool. You don't want to fail. Well, it's not over. No. It's not, again, the, the results aren't in. It's not over. No. But, you know, if, if this is not a wake-up call to where we are and how corrupt this thing is. I mean, I don't, I don't know what it's going to, what else is it going to take? What is it possibly yeah. going to take? Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. Well, I don't know, JC. <laughs> the fraud is, the fraud is so rampant. I said, I said two months ago, if the COVID theft of property, business and way of life by our local governments wasn't enough to show us that we must be involved in local government. I don't know what is. Here we are six months down the road and people are still screaming for the solution from the federal government. Yeah. Well, all that was supported by over 80% of the people. So where are we? Yeah. Well, because here's the key, the shackles, the, the, the prison of your mind are harder to break free from than the shackles of the state. That's the bottom line. The prison of your mind is harder to break free than the shackles of the state. And we voluntarily complied. And I say we as a, you know, not like you. America. Me, but America. America voluntarily complied. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, we will be on the road again tomorrow, still in Texas tomorrow. Uh, Lord willing, we'll be back in the studio on Wednesday if the tropical storm <laughs> the tropical storm will not prevent us from being home. So we will see you on Wednesday, but thank you guys for joining us. Please take what you learn here, share it with a friend, stop this misinformation that is being spread all throughout our airwaves, our emails and our social media. It's not necessary and it's destructive of the end result that leads to a real success. So God bless you guys. We will see you next time. Yeah.